of having kids, you'll come to that realisation that life is not your own. It's awfully quiet in here. And so for those first-time dads, they've come to that realisation in the last few months that life is not their own. Talking to my brother, you know, they've had a really bad patch with their young one. Like, really bad. You know, he's almost slept the whole night ever since he's been at home until last week or so. He's been waking up every four hours. I'm like, that's not a bad patch. That is awesome. Your kid is a dream. I'll give you all four of mine and I'll take him. Drop him over any day. We'll look after him if that's the case. But these things, but sometimes you come to this realisation that life is not your own. And I believe this is that God created the church and he created family. Do you realise that? God created church, us as a community of believers, and he created family. And so this morning I want to have a look at these two combined influences. What takes place when we combine church and we combine family? You know, partnering together, you know, as they partner together, they give us a greater influence over society. Do you realise that? So I believe this is that church is one of the greatest influences within society. You look at where society is today, it has been built off the influence of where the church has been. The reason why we have a social welfare system, the reason why we have education, the reason why we have all these things basically comes out of the church. Do you realise that? It was back in the day where the church started to advance in Jerusalem, started to advance in Rome. And as you read through the scriptures, is that they looked after their own. They looked after those around them. They looked after the widows. They looked after the orphans that they had in the, in the church, in the body of Christ. But then also they went outside and looked after those that weren't in the body of Christ as well. And what I find, if you read through histories, you'll find that one of Caesar, a guy, Caesar, he realized this, is that the church was growing rapidly because they looked after they're widows and orphans. And he said to his guys, he said to the he said to the ones around him, he said, you know what, the church looks after our people better than us, we need to compete with that, so let's start looking after our people. That's how much influence the church has. The church has influenced society in what we know today. The family too. Do you realise as a, as a parent, as a family, the family influences those around us. I influence my kids. I shape my kids on how they're going to grow up, the thought processes they have, the belief systems they have. And that's our job. You know, together we are stronger. I believe this is the church and the family need to be together. Why? Because then we are stronger. Then we are stronger. The most two powerful influences on this planet today. And you know what I know this? Is that there's too much at stake for either one to fail. There's too much at stake for families to fail. There's too much at stake for the church to fail and do the job that it's called to do. You know, combined, combined, our primary task is to build God's kingdom in the hearts of men and women and sons and daughters. Do you realise that? Combined, combined, our job is to build the kingdom of God in the hearts of men and women and sons and daughters around and so today, I just want to look over these two influences just really quickly. And the first influence is the church. You know what? The church was called into existence by God. He called you and I into existence. He called us to go out and make disciples. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. 
If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, the clergies, the missions, the sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. Do you realize that? One of the great theologians of all time, C.S. Lewis, made that statement. And, and I believe that true today, is that that's what we are called to do. We are called to draw all men under Him so that we can be what? Little Christ. We can be in Him. You know, a hundred years from now, the only thing that is ever going to matter in someone's life is their relationship with God. Is their relationship with God. That's the only thing that is going to matter at the end of the day. Is how is our relationship with God. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A city on, that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and give it... And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine, light so shine before men, that you may see the good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's our call. You know, it's the jobs, it's the church's job to be the lamp. It's the church's job to be the light. It's our job to shine in darkness. Do you realize that? It's yours and my job to shine in darkness. You know, to illuminate God's grace and to reveal His Son, Jesus. That's our job. You know, at work, at home, at uni, you know, in the world. It's our job. We are called to shine God's light. As the church, we are called to be a beacon of hope. You and I are called to be a beacon of hope. You know, one thing that I've noticed is that there are many Christians where their light has grown dull. Do you realize that? Their light has grown dull in their life, in their work, but just not in their work, but also in their home. Their light has grown dull. I've realized this, that some Christians have made their, their faith so personal that they can't even tell they're saved, let alone anyone else. Oh, well, that's just a personal matter between me and God. I'm just going to go and sit. They've become so personal that they don't even know they're saved, that they've actually haven't even got a relationship with God. So how else are they going to shine God's light to anyone? How else are they going to be the beacon of hope that God has called them? You know, our job, all it is, is just to flick on the light. To be a light in dark places. You know, the question isn't who turned up the darkness, the question is this, who turned down the light? You know, if miracles have stopped happening around your life, if God has stopped moving, if you feel like you've stepped out of the favour of God, my question is, is when have you stepped into the presence of God? When have you drawn away to God to say, God, come on, I need some rekindling here. God, I, I need your spirit inside of me so that I can bring light to where there is darkness. The church's job is to shine. Our job is to shine for all humanity. I love what Carolina speaks about in a lot of her messages. She makes this statement. She says, God's promises are always bigger than me. They transcend my life and go beyond who I am. They always involve the next generation. We are to be, we are to be the ones that always involve the next generation. You know what, if our light starts going dull, then the next generation's light may only be a flash torch. 
may only be a three-watt plug that you stick in for your kids at night so they don't get scared of the dark. You know, we miss the whole point if we fail to sow ourselves into the next generation. We miss the whole point as a church if we fail to sow ourselves into the next generation. John 12, 32, If I am lifted up above earth, I will make everyone want to come to me. Jesus is saying that himself. He's saying, come on, lift me up. Lift me up, put me in my rightful place right now and, and all men will be drawn. You know, it's not our job to go out there and slap people with the Bible, tell them the verses and do all those things. Our job is just to love God. And as we love upon God, He comes and reveals Himself to us and we start to be an answer. People are attracted to us. They will start to ask us for the answers, the questions. That's what it's supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a beacon of hope where people are drawn in. We're supposed to be the answer. As we go out, people are drawn to us so that we can share the love of Christ, so that we can lift his name up. When we shine Jesus' light, it attracts all. You know, the first thing is, as a church, we need to shine the light of Christ. We need to be so bright that people can't deny that Jesus dwells in us. The second influence that we need to combine is that of family. You know, both the church and the home comprise of broken, imperfect people. Do you realize that? Yeah, you, know, you look across here and I, I tell you what, we're not all the same. You know, just as you walk into a family, you've got the uncle that... Everyone's got one. <laughs> you know you don't want to say it, but you got one. For me, it could be my brother. No, it's not my brother. Maybe it could. Mate, you know, you all, and same with church. It's imperfect. I'm imperfect. You know, I, I'll guarantee you one thing, that I will offend you. Can I just guarantee you that? If you haven't been offended yet, just wait. But just like family... You know, it's imperfect people helping imperfect people, and that's God's plan. That's God's perfect plan for humanity. You know, parenting. My question to this, well, my question for parents is this Do we want to spoil our kids? Do you just want to make them happy? And I, I look across, and, and I, I believe that, you know, some parents have that as their goal. You know, as parents, we don't believe really that the goal is to make our kids happy, is it? Or do we? You know, what we give our children and what we do for our children is not as important as what we leave in them. Do you realize that? If my son wants to play in the middle of a freeway just because he's happy, I'm not going to let him do it. I will step in and pull him off that freeway before I have to scrape him off the freeway. So as parents, our goal isn't just to make our kids happy. Our goal isn't just to make sure our, 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 you know, our kids are doing what they feel like. You know, I've worked this out. I didn't really know what I wanted to do until I was like 25. You know, when you get to 30, you're sort of thinking, maybe I know what I'm going to do. 
who's at 35 and still has no idea. You know, at 40, I'm like, you know what? No one else even knows what they're doing. Who cares? <laughs> so what does a 10-year-old know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, for us, for Carolina and myself, we look at it this way, is that we build with the end in mind when it comes to our family. We build with the end in mind. We, we realize this, is that we're not raising children, we're raising adults. We're not raising children, we're actually raising adults. And for some of you that don't know, I've got four kids and I need all the help in the world from God. But we look at those four, we look at them as individuals and we're like, you know what, we're, we're raising adults. We're going to raise functional adults in society. Is that when they get there, they'll be decision makers. They'll have, they'll, they'll have clarity of mind. Is that the first thing is that we want, or for us, we want our kids to have an authentic relationship with God. What are those things that you want for your young ones? We want them to have an authentic relationship with God. The second thing we want them is that we will never stop pursuing them and fighting for the right relationship with them. We'll always make sure that we have the right relationship with all of our kids. You know, as parents, you should fight for the right relationships with your kids. You know, you should fight for it. This, it's a vital thing. You need to have an open and honest relationship with your kids. The other thing is that the relationship we have with God and each other as parents affects them more than we realize. You know what? They watch our every action. They watch and they hear our every word. I am so surprised what they hear. Like, um, like <laughs> once I remember ordering Maccas and, and I'm there and, 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 you know, you love going to Maccas. Like, we don't really go to Maccas now, but, but I got, I think it was Layla or Meyer in the back seat of the car. Pull up at Maccas. We order. And she wanted something. She wanted some, I don't know, nuggets. And then she asked for an ice cream. And, and so I asked, hey, listen, can I have an ice cream? And the lady goes, oh, sorry, it's out of order. And then she goes, oh, frig it. I'm like, hey, where'd you get that from? <laughs> and then I realized the influence and in the words that they hear. Sometimes we don't think they're listening. But then I've realized that I can't afford to have substitute words for anything else because they are listening. And so we, we come back and we look, wow, okay, we need to... So our relationship with God and our relationship with our spouse and the words that we speak have to be precise, have to be purposeful. The fourth thing that Caroline and I realized is that we're not the only influencers that we have in their life. We are not the only influences that our children need. And in saying that, that I may have said a word that she used that I was like, where did she learn that from? I've heard other words that have come from the grandparents. And I've actually had to sit down with the grandparents and say, hey, listen, you know what? There are certain words uh, that you say that we just need to pull back on. And they're like, we don't say that. And then all of a sudden she's in the kitchen and she says the word. She's like, oh... I'm sorry. 
But I've realized this is that we do need certain influences in our family life and in our kids' lives. And you know what? They need grandparents. They need uncles. They need aunties. They need mentors. They need youth pastors. They need children's church leaders. You know, they need healthy families that they can connect with as well. They need the church being the church. All of us being the church. You know, the priority of the family should be at the end of the day an authentic relationship. As the church has an authentic relationship with Christ, we should have an authentic relationship with those that we love. You know, I I look through Ephesians 5 and it talks about this. It talks about wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way that Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should also likewise submit to their husbands. You know, I look at this and it says the wife's response to her husband should reflect how a believer's love and response to Christ. The other thing is the husband's response to his wife should reflect the very essence and love and gospel of grace that Jesus demonstrated on the the cross. You know, guys, you don't get out of it that easy. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, and it says, Children, do what your parents tell you. Anyone with kids here right now, just tell them. This is only right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. Namely, so you will live well and have a long life. And have a long life. You know, a children's response to a parent should reflect the child's attitude towards God. Just maybe Paul was saying in Ephesians that to establish quality relationships with each other, that is a reflection of an authentic relationship with God. You know, and on Father's Day, I would ask that you ponder over these things. Have a look at where you are within the life of your family. Have a look at where you position your family. Have a look at the relationship that you have with your spouse. Have a look at the relationship you have with God. Have a look at what relationships your young ones have with those around you. Are they ones that are going to propel them into their future or hold them back? For us as a family, we like to monitor who our kids spend time with. For us as a family, we like to choose young adults that are modelling a healthy lifestyle, a healthy God-centred lifestyle around our kids so that they find that that is the norm in their life. Because there are so many influences today that are drawing our kids away from a God-centered relationship, a God-honoring relationship. Like just recently, over the um, last six months or probably 12 months, we banned our kids from watching Peppa Pig. No. We do watch TV. Yes, we do. But as I was listening to what was being said, it was 
it was mockery of the father. If you watch the program, you will see that they're always laughing at their dad. They're always calling their dad silly. He's always never fixing anything. He's always the laughing stock. And so we were just there, and then all of a sudden, I noticed my young son, Jesse, he goes, oh, silly dad. And he started bringing this language and bringing this thing in to how I was, and I just said, you know what? No. That show no longer exists in our house because of what it is implanting into the younger generation. And I want to encourage you as parents, you know, I'm, I'm all for watching movies. I'm all for having a relaxed downtime. I'm all for those things. But what are they watching? And so as we, some practical tease of this for a family is, for us, we always position our kids in the house. When we come to this house, it's not about us just coming to church. It's about us serving whoever comes to church. Our kids are in kids ministry right now. And one of the discussions we have is who's new that is coming to church? Who's someone that you can encourage today? Who's someone that you can love? Who's someone that you, how are you speaking to the leaders? Can you help the leaders? Can you honor the leaders? We position them in the house. We position them in the right friendship groups. We always find their friends for them. Always find their friends. And if they make friends, find out who they are. What are they like? The other thing is position them with right mentors. I want to encourage you, if you don't have family members in this country, or if you do have family members, find the right uncle and auntie that can speak into their life. Find the right relative that holds your values, your belief, that can be a mentor to those ones, that can draw them away. If you don't have any of those, find one of the youth leaders or kids leaders within the life of the church. Sit them down. I would say sit them down. Interview them for your kids. You're like, wow, he's going a bit far. You know what? There's too much at stake to get this wrong. Ask them about their doctrine. Ask them about their belief system. Ask them about everything. It's too... Sit down with them. Interview them. And say, hey, listen, I've got the most important job. This is the most important job that you'll ever have. And I I know that Carolina has had this discussion. Hey, Talia. We will sit down and and we'll ask our kids, who who do you look up to? And and Layla looks up to Talia. And we're like, okay, well, then let's try and work out a date. And we sit down and we just say, hey, Talia, this is what we would like you to do. This is one of the most important things for one of our daughter's life because it will shape her future. And we sit down and we say, okay, these are the rules that we have for our kids. This is what we believe. If you could, could you think about investing into our young one's life? And as you invest into their life, can you speak truth and hope into them? Because we're raising them to be adults. And so we, we do that. And some people are like, well, that's extreme. Oh, there's too much at stake. Our kids are too important for that. Your kids are too important for that. And position them in a place of saturation. Find a place where they're going to be saturated by the presence of God. Find a place where they're going to know God. And, and, and let's face it, you know, you can send your kids to youth and that could be only for two hours. You come to church and it's only maybe an hour and a half on a Sunday. But I, I tell you what, it's so important to make sure they're in the house of God. 
It's so important. Like we have our kids in morning and night and it's not because, you know, we're traditionalists, we're doing all that, but it's a place where they can get saturated with God. Is it like on a Sunday night, my daughters, they, they get to sit with their mentors and then all of a sudden they, they come and they're worshiping God because they're seeing the next generation worship God. Right now, we've got a kids program with phenomenal leaders. Romy and Ben are unbelievable. You know, they speak life, they speak hope, they teach the younger generation like you wouldn't believe. And so as they do that, they choose leaders and they put into leaders and they grow leaders and they help lead so that they can speak into the life of every young person. And we can have nearly up to 100 kids on a Sunday morning. And they're preaching life. They're speaking hope. They're teaching a foundation. And, and I want to tell you, it's, there's too much at stake for us to get it wrong. There's too much at stake. And we open this place up and we celebrate the grandparents. We celebrate every age group in this place. Why? Because we know that if we can have you know, the wisdom of senior years in the life of our church and the energy and the passion of young ones, when we come together, God moves. Yeah, yeah. When we come together, why? Because it's in wisdom and truth and it's with passion that we praise and worship God. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning. You might be thinking, well, Sam, you just really just spoke to the parents. No, I'm speaking to every age bracket because I know that there are young ones in our church and, and they're from, I reckon, 15 years of age to 30 years of age and they have no biblical understanding. They, they actually have never grown up in a house or a home that has had a biblical foundation. They've actually don't know how to do life. Like for myself, I have the privilege of growing up in a Christian family. But we have a generation right now that has no idea of the foundations of God. They have no idea of the biblical perspective of marriage. They have no idea of the biblical perspective of that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. And I, I would encourage you, and, and we're going to focus on this in, um, in October, is we're going to set aside some nights on a Sunday night after church, and we're just going to do foundations, biblical foundations, so that we can teach the next generation. And what I would ask is that if you have no kids, you're an empty nester or, or you're someone that comes and you have something to give. Like Rob, he, he just gives what he has. If you're able to speak life into this next generation, if you're able to lead this next generation, build foundations in this, I would ask you to put your hand up and say, I will be there just so I can sit with the next generation so that they can have a biblical understanding. Why? Because there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. They're being bombarded with so much else that as Christians, we need to rise. We need to turn on the light. And if your light has started to grow dull, turn it up. Shine so that God can move. Father God, I thank you that we have an amazing church. Lord God, I thank you that we have amazing families. Lord God, I thank you that there are generations found in this house. Lord God, and as generations, we come and we're able to worship you. We're able to come and sing your praises. Lord God, and we believe upon you. Why? Because you are the way, the truth, and the life. 
And Lord God, as we believe upon You, Father, we thank You for our salvation. Lord God, we thank You for the Holy Spirit that is our guarantee. Lord God, as soon as we said, we believed and we turned to You, Father, and we looked upon You that You would send, and Your Word says that You send Your Holy Spirit as a guarantee to dwell in our life. Lord God, today, today, Father, stir our hearts for the next generation. Stir our hearts for those that we love. Give us the wisdom and the understanding, Lord God. Give us the insight. Give us the supernatural answers, Lord God, as we start to raise our young ones in the house, as we start to look upon those that maybe don't have a family. Father God, that have no father or mother. Lord God, I pray right now that give us eyes to be able to minister to those ones, to step into the gap, to see lives changed. Right now, as your eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I would like to ask this question. Today you've heard me speak about church. You've heard me speak about God. You've heard me speak about family. And we believe this, is that Jesus died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with Him. So that as we believe upon Him, upon Jesus, we could have a relationship with God. And by believing upon Jesus, we're saying that He died for all our sins. He died for, for that which separates us from having a relationship with Him. A price that we couldn't pay, He paid. And today, if you would like to restore, or maybe it's the first time, have a relationship with God, I would love for you just to raise your hand just so I can see it, so I know who I'm praying with. As I look across, if you're like, Sam, I want to be, or maybe your light has grown up. Maybe you had a relationship with God. Maybe your relationship isn't right there. I would love for you just to raise your hand just so I know who I'm praying with. Just so I look across. Thanks, mate. Anyone else? (laughs) Father God, right now you see every heart in this building. Lord God, we thank you for the responses this morning. Lord God, I pray that your spirit comes and intertwines every heart that responded today. Lord God, that you are our guarantee, that you will speak to us, you'll speak life, you'll speak hope. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give him a hand. Well, how good are the dad jokes? We get to practice them now outside. But just before we leave, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings. If I can have the people, the hosts ready. And all, all I want to say is this, is that the church is too important to fail. You and I, as a gathering. And this is what I love, is that when we come and we give of our time, our talent, and our treasure, what we're saying is, God, we believe, and we, and we believe that your kingdom should be preached, that your gospel will be preached. And this morning as you give, I, I just want you to give with faith in your heart and say, God, right now, let your light shine out of this place. Let foundations be built in the next generations. And Lord God, right now, as we release our finance into your kingdom, let it not come back void. Let it not come back without a response. Father God, I thank you for the hearts. Lord God, I thank you for those that give weekly. But Lord God, maybe right now there's some that are giving for the first time. Lord God, I pray that as they do give, that it's not just 
grudgingly. It's not just out of, oh, here we go again. But God, that it's more out of faith. It's Lord God saying, come on. Right now we want the gospel to be preached. Right now we want the church to be the answer. We want it to speak. We want lives to be changed, futures to be altered. The disciples we made in this house, in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. If you want to take that, would be great. Also, too, if you want, um, you can give online. Um, just check the details uh, that were on the screen. Or if you want, out at the info desk on the way out, you can run your card through. But right now, let's go out. We'll celebrate, and uh, we'll see you all tonight. Thanks.